Hello, college football fans, and welcome to College Football Throwdown, a college football podcast. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Good evening, college football fans. Yes. Episode 21 of uh, College Football Throwdown, we're now legally allowed to drink. How about that? (laughs) So many of these we've done. Yes, exactly. All right. And uh, we are here today to recap the Nebraska-Northwestern game, as well as preview our uh, upcoming game. Uh, that's the... I'm now I'm blanking on it. Is that the Rutgers game, or is it Purdue? Purdue. Purdue. Okay, that's what it was. So for the Purdue game, that's what we'll be previewing. Uh, but before we dive into that, we're going to uh, crack our beverage, as is tradition. Yes, and I, and I get the pleasure of that tonight after a long weekend of many activities that are now behind me. Including that miserable loss, I'll drown it out. All right. There we go. So, uh, talking about the game, um, we were both watching it um, live. I was, uh, it started at 10, uh, what was, yeah, it was, I think it was no, 9. Well, it was 9 o'clock my time, but that means it was 11 o'clock central time, I think, right? Correct. Yes. So, yeah, it was 9 o'clock my time, so I was watching it on the Watch ESPN app from the comfort of my uh, living room so I didn't have to, you know, roll out of bed at go to a bar at 9 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> so that worked out pretty well. And you were just watching it at home, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Um, I was just looking at the uh, stat sheet um, for the game before I uh, started up the podcast. I think, you know, this is something that the announcers certainly talked about a lot, but the most like crazy stat to look at when you think in terms of who was controlling that game. Um, we had uh, 38 minutes and 39 seconds of time of possession, whereas they had 20 minutes and 39 seconds. So we had almost double time of possession in terms of when our offense was on the field compared to them, and somehow we still lost. I know. Yeah. There's, there's, that, that stat sheet is filled with, with numbers, especially if you had looked at them. Uh, you know, say sometime early or late in the third quarter or, or early in the fourth quarter even, uh, I think they still would have been crazy lopsided. They certainly were at halftime. Oh, yeah. For sure. Well, I mean, if you take away those two runs that we let their quarterback have, those two big runs, uh, rushing-wise, I mean, we stuffed them pretty good on defensively, you know, and for oh, yeah. a good a portion of the game, uh, we're stuffing them pretty good on uh on their passing game too, you know they got it going a bit more in the second half. But in the first half, we really did a good job of keeping their offense stunted. It, it was our offense making a mistake that got them their early touchdown. Absolutely, it was it was our mistakes, and then them beating us in special teams, which we have a special teams coordinator. Just thought I'd point that out. Um, you what you think in terms of punting? We lost. Punting was certainly one of the areas, but they had 141 yards. Of uh, of return yards, so their kickoff, uh, you know, almost every time they got the ball, they were starting at you know at the 35 or the 40 yard line. It seemed like because of their kicking game, uh, their their uh, kickoff specialist. So so um, you know, I felt like this was a game where we were outplayed in the uh, area of special teams. I don't, I would I would agree. I do. I mean, they did have some kickoff returns, so I would say we lost that battle. I don't remember our punting at being. Uh... Like our punter wasn't punting far enough or anything like that. I remember getting uh, that impression. Our punter, 
our punter did a very poor job of punting inside the 20. Almost every one of his oh. punts ended up rolling into the end zone. Even some that were huge punts, a lot of yards, but then he, he kicked them such that we, either we couldn't get down there or, or uh, they rolled into the end zone. And so none of his punts ended up you know, inside of the 20-yard line. So a lot of poor net punting, even though it went a lot long way. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's kind of an interesting thing because there's like you want your punter to be able to boom it, certainly, you know, but then there's also that precision element of it. It's kind of the two different things you're asked to do as a punter. Absolutely, exactly. And and we have not done that as, as well this year as, as we would have expected. Mm-hmm. He's a good punter, and he'll continue to get better. I'm, uh-huh. I'm confident. Yeah. Um, on the last podcast, we did our score predictions as we usually do. Uh, I predicted a 35-21 victory for Nebraska, and you predicted a 35-28 victory. So you ended up being closer, even though we were both wrong at the end of the day. Right. Uh, you know, Alex, it's just one of these things where we continue to get frustrated uh, by how our team plays, but you can see when you watch us play how we could make a few corrections, a few things go differently, and, and we win these football games. And that's what's made it such a frustrating experience to be a, a Nebraska fan this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... Going back to that stat sheet, you know, once again, our defense playing quite well throughout most of the game. Uh, They were 5 of 13 on third downs, uh, but then we also were 9 of 20 on third downs, so we definitely struggled to convert third downs, and there were situations where it would be third and three, third and four, you know, we'd elect to pass it instead of just trying to give it to Janovich and try to power it in, uh, which definitely frustrated me on a couple of occasions. Well, I, I think that is the fundamental error. You know, as I was thinking about our podcast, Alex and I was thinking about how do I kind of bring this all together. Uh, my my observation of the Nebraska football team is, is that I believe that our, our coaching staff and specifically our offensive coordinator is uh, a guy who wants to throw the football first and, and set, set up his running game off of passing. Um, and, but he is more committed to passing, has more confidence, and has a higher comfort level with the passing game than he does the running game. And so he is very quick to abandon the running game. I think the f- single thing that needs to change for Nebraska's outcomes to be different is for us to remain committed to the running game. I, I think this idea that we couldn't run yesterday uh, was completely false. I think we had some plays where we were blown up clearly there was some defensive tackles uh, uh, for um, Northwestern that were uh, taking advantage of poor blocking on the right side of our offensive line. Our offensive line was getting blown up pretty bad on that right-hand side. But if you're in that situation as a coach, then you, you modify your play calling and, and you, you run to the left and, and, and or you run to the right but with pulling guards and uh, you know, doing things where you put more people in front of those bodies and, and uh, anticipate that, that you have a mismatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they didn't do that. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, we talked on the previous podcast about how if this Minnesota game that we where we had our nice victory was going to be kind of a turning point in the season for us or not. You know, that was, we're kind of at that point. 
and we kind of regressed a bit back to some of the early games where Tommy's throwing some passes that aren't too great, and you know, if if the run fails us, you know, once or twice, we abandon it completely, you know, to go to the passing game, like you say. You know, right. It was kind of just. Well, and, and again, I I would I would argue from a just a. Uh, awareness of your team and what your players what what makes your players tick i i think i've seen enough of tommy armstrong to recognize that if we allow tommy to run the football and get into rhythm with simple pass plays that don't require a lot of decision making where he has one or two options and or and and or run right and if you give him those kinds of plays roll out action not a bunch of drop back stuff you can have some drop back, uh, quick decision drop back stuff, but but do not put him in a situation where he's standing in the pocket a bunch. Because over the course of the game, he will make some poor decisions, which he did yesterday. But if instead you get him running uh, and rolling out and doing some of those kinds of things, that allows you to, frankly, uh, overcome your poor offensive line play a little bit, and it allows him to get into the flow of the game. He's a guy who, frankly, plays with greater confidence and energy level if he's been if he's getting hit. He needs to be running the football uh, to to feel a part of it. He plays better when he's asked to run it some. I don't mean run it every play, but I'm saying he needs to run it some. And we didn't do enough of that well, with Tommy. No, we did have there were definitely some design like quarterback runs we had in the game, and some uh, he threw some great rollout passes. Oh, he did, and that's my point. As those are the areas where i think he he excels where where he struggles is when you have him just drop back in the pocket and go through a progression like a traditional you know nfl caliber quarterback would he, he doesn't do that well mm-hmm. i will say one thing i would notice when i was looking at the stat sheet uh i was thinking we talked to after the game was over about penalties you know we had some penalties in key situations that set us back from you know getting a first down or having a play happen, you know, that hurt us. Um, but in actuality, looking at it, we had five penalties in the game, but so did they, and they actually had more yards total for those five penalties than we did. Uh, so I can't get too super angry about that because compared to early in the season, we're having eight or ten, you know, or more penalties in the game. We, we certainly have come down from that. But it's have- just the timing of when the penalties happen, you know, Correct. that that kills us. Right. Right, we had a we had a really, a really uh, uh, difficult chop block uh, penalty that was uh, personal foul, fifteen yards on a play that that would have you know allowed us to continue a drive. As a result, we weren't able to continue that drive, so that squelched a drive. And then late in the game, when when we needed when we needed to stop uh, mm-hmm. because we were running out of time, uh, our guys lost their cool and had some personal foul penalties that 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 ended the game for us yeah yeah that was uh god i'm forgetting his name but he's one of our best uh collins yeah defensive lineman and yeah it was a little frustrating i mean i saw you saw the northwestern guy like hit him a little late you know so it's i understand why he retaliated but you gotta keep your cool in that situation because like you said that penalty basically gave them the game at that point to to me those kinds of penalties reflect two things Uh, a lack of respect for your coaches and a lack of respect for your teammates because a player who respects his coaches and respects his teammates holds it together there. They just do because they, they always know and they're aware of the circumstance. 
but when you when you're just out there, you know, playing on emotion exclusively, then you don't care about your teammates and you don't care and it's just all about you, then you're you're going to get even with this other guy. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking about the team. That was a right. that was a bad bad move, man. Yeah. But the obviously the biggest frustration I had in that game was the uh, lack of passing and all of that that we already discussed. Uh, or the, Sorry, not the lack of passing, the lack of running, you know, and lack of commitment to the run um, and how that hurt us. But more than that, or second to that, I guess, in terms of my notes from the game, was that, you know, uh, we had, if we had caught some of the passes that were in our receiver's hands, you know, passes that were, where they were open, you know, they weren't getting covered super bad and the ball was in their hands, you could see it. You know, if they catch some of those balls, we have like at least 11 more points in that football game, you know, because there were some that were like for touchdowns or for first downs, you know. And Northwestern had a couple drop balls in critical situations as well, but the, those ones for us really hurt me because they were, it was a reminder of the Miami game, you know. You have uh, your quarterback is struggling a little bit, but he then gets uh, starting to find his rhythm, you know, in the second half a little bit more connecting those passes you got to be there to bring those in and we weren't and that is a major reason why we lost uh, i i agree and, and it gets back to the fundamental of uh the offensive philosophy again you have to know and recognize what your team's capabilities are and in this case i think these coaches are unwilling it appears unwilling to make the significant changes in their philosophy for this season to uh, uh, to adjust to the skill sets that our players have. We have a good but not great set of receivers. Uh, they're going to drop footballs like that. That's going to happen regularly uh, for us. We don't have receivers that have shown themselves to be reliable, good hands guys. You know, uh, Westerkamp would be the one exception. Um, most of these other guys have shown throughout their careers that they're going to drop some, some balls that they shouldn't drop. That's just been the nature of that group. And, uh, and so as a coaching staff, you have to recognize that's where your players are at. And I, I feel like that's what's missing uh, with this coaching staff is there's just not a recognition of what, what needs to happen you know, to, to secure a game. And secondly, what needs to happen to take advantage of what you're current player's skill set is. We actually had a comment on our last podcast from uh, AJ. He said, um, in your discussion about the upcoming game, you didn't mention the weather. It's going to be windy again. I predict a game just like Illinois and Wisconsin. Tommy throwing the ball over the place, but to no one in particular. Northwestern defense will do enough to win the game. You also didn't discuss that the 95 team is going to be there. Over the last 15 years, none of the teams have played well in front of a past great team, much less a team that many in college football think is the greatest of all time. Boy, AJ was right on. <laughs> he uh, was. It wasn't windy. It wasn't windy, but his description of what uh, what uh, Tommy, I mean, Tommy's uh, footwork and his overall mechanics in that game were atrocious at times yesterday. Yeah, and I, it just but that's the thing. It. it was at times, like in the first half, you saw a lot more of that. In the second half, he's, you know, the announcers were talking about it. He started to playing his feet, you know, we're throwing some nice passes, you know, making some good runs, you know, that got us first downs, like in third down situations where he was scrambling, you know. So it, we saw both sides of Tommy in this game. Right, right. And and, and the other part of uh, AJ's comment is also accurate. 
probably should spend more time and you know maybe something that I would like to do uh, when we're um, out of season and not talking about a, a particular week's game is to reflect on something like the 95 uh, ch- a championship team that got uh, recognized this past weekend. I mean, there, there's so much to learn about what was it that made them successful. And there's a, there's a number of elements, of course, that, that, that led to that team and, and that era's uh, success. And I would love to examine that in greater detail as we go forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a fun podcast to do. But kind of transitioning us into a more um, general discussion, you know, obviously we talked about we have the Purdue game coming up. Um, and then is it after the Purdue game that we have Michigan State, or do we have one more game in between that? Nope. Uh, it's P- Purdue and then Michigan State, yep. Michigan State, and then after that it's... Uh, it's Rutgers. Rutgers. It, it, it's Rutgers and then uh, By Iowa. week and then Iowa, right. Yes. Um, so we were talking about this before, you know, in a... Best case scenario, based on where we are right now, uh, three and five, you know, we beat the three of those teams ahead of us, you know, losing to Michigan State because no duh. Uh, but if we could find it in ourselves to somehow, you know, beat Purdue, beat Rutgers, and then take use that bye week wisely, you know, to uh, get our guys a little healthier and, you know, come up with a sophisticated game plan to beat Iowa, who by that point may very well still be undefeated, uh, that would be the ideal scenario for us at that point because then we'd be six and five and we, we'd have the chance to go bowling even though we still might not in that scenario but that's the best we can hope for at this point i believe i i would agree i i think at this point we have to acknowledge uh you know the the, the status of the team we are what we are and and we are a team that has a quarterback that does not fit the skill set that the offensive coaches want to uh run and they have been unable to successfully evolve or modify their systems and their plays to accommodate his strengths. And 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 I when I speak, I should say the teams because it's more than just Tommy, but it's particularly about that role of quarterback. In their scheme, it's clear that that their system is going to work when they have a quarterback who has a certain set of skills. And when when the quarterback doesn't have that you're going to struggle. I mean, here we are, it's game nine or 10 and we're still trying to figure out how to consistently make a screen pass work. Mm -hmm. And and that's fundamental to the offense. Right. Yeah. I mean, kind of like we talked before, it really has just been, I don't know what the issue was in practice over the summer, you know, that, uh, that summer and fall where Riley was with them. Um, you know, that that made this transition more difficult than typical or whatever, you know, shifting from Bo's system to this system. You know, like you say, maybe it's just because our guys, uh, in terms of why they were recruited in the first place, they recruited for other reasons than for being a, you know, West Coast uh, NFL-style offense, like you say. Right, right. And so I think I think as, as fans, I, I, I recognize that that we are a team that is going is going through transition. We're not going to fire this coaching staff. We have to support this player, these players, and this team, and these coaches, and give them give them every opportunity to get it figured out. Uh, and and I believe that a lot of the players and a lot of those things, including you know things like screen passes, that'll all get better. The the challenge that they have is what do they do with with Tommy Armstrong uh, uh, if he doesn't 
start to progress uh, with regard to his ability to make those kinds of throws that they need him to make and make the kind of decisions that they're asking him to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that was another thing we talked about after the pot after the game was over. Um, was that I'm sure there's already you know a uh, a a group within the Husker community that's saying that we need to fire Riley. This hire was a complete mistake and all of that. Uh, and it certainly is not off to a great start. I don't think anybody can deny that. Um, but at the same time, on a previous podcast, you and I had talked about how you know it's so much tougher for head coaches now than it was back in the day in terms of how much money you're getting thrown at these guys and how much uh, you know how much higher the stakes are and thus how much more pressure there is on them in order in order to succeed early you know and turn things around quickly you know if you can't get it done within three years you know you're gone that kind of thing and so I I want to be I want to be the type of fan who supports the idea of uh you know, let's stick with this coach long term. You know, if we really think he's uh, got got the right spirit behind him, you know, we should stick with him. We should let him figure things out. You know, and so I don't want to be the guy who jumps on that bandwagon, even though there's a part of me that definitely is frustrated. But right. I, well, I, you know, I, I share that view, of course, Alex. But but my contention is is that uh, one of the things that a head coach has to do, much like any leader within any organization is they have to evaluate the skills of their, of their uh, key members of their team. And uh, in this case, their, his coaching staff, uh, what the offensive coordinator has been unable to get done, it raises a huge red flag in my mind that they are not a, an offensive staff that can adjust. I feel like the defensive staff has done an okay job in overall. I mean, obviously, I would love for the defense to be way better than they are. I think there's skills there that should be better than they are. But I can look at that and say they've they've had to overcome crazy number of injuries and other transitions. We knew going into the season that we didn't have any real difference makers at defensive end yet. And, and, and even with all the injuries, they've still found a way to be adequate. And so I, I give them a lot of credit. Uh, for what they've been able to do defensively. Yeah. Uh, offensively, uh, you know, I think they've misused the running backs. I, I think that they have relied too heavily on passing, and they are, they, they're not committed to the running game. And this idea of balance and getting in rhythm is, is, is coach speak. Bottom line is you get in a rhythm by, uh, by making first downs, and you make first downs by not throwing it every time it's third and three. <laughs> yeah. Well, and uh, honestly, I'm I'm quite proud of the defensive coaches in terms of how bad our defense looked in the early games, like against BYU and against Miami. You know, the the secondary and the defensive line have definitely taken a step up since then. If we had that, the defense that we have right now played against that BYU team and that Miami team, I bet you we win both those games. You know, we don't give up those crazy pat as many of those crazy pass plays. I'm not saying we'd stop all of them, but we would definitely be doing a lot better than we are right now. So they've definitely shown that ability to adjust and to make improvements from game to game. Yep, I I would 100% agree. Let's let's talk a little bit about Purdue uh, as uh, we look to next week. You know, I think we just have to, you know, keep keep staying the course. That was kind of the message that Mike Riley had given the team uh, was, guys, uh, we're going to keep coaching, we're going to keep practicing, we're going to keep trying to get better. And, and we're just going to keep plugging away at this thing until we get it right. 
and and that's that's a good sound message to give the players. I think at some point though, you you run the risk of the players kind of packing it in for the, at least for the year, where guys are going to start kind of taking this a little less seriously, uh, knowing that we're, we're not we're not going anywhere, and uh, and so uh, I think uh, I think this is becomes a huge game, of course, because if we lose to Purdue, then there is no scenario that you can even paint that that gets us to a bowl game. So now you really have to worry about the kids packing it in and just starting to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there definitely is that risk of Riley kind of losing the team. Um, I, I mean, looking at you know Purdue's schedule, it's I don't know exactly what to make of them because you know probably the biggest thing in their favor is that they uh, played a tough game, twenty-one twenty-four against Michigan State at Michigan State, so they nearly beat that team but then at the same time you know they lost to minnesota 41 13 you know uh lost to marshall 41 31 you know virginia tech 51 24 you know so i feel like uh purdue is definitely a team we are capable of beating if we don't beat ourselves you know like we did in the northwestern game absolutely i mean we certainly can Uh, they have some skill they have a pretty decent uh, passing game at times, and uh, and frankly, their defense has improved from where it's been. So all of those things are a little bit frightening to me. And frankly, uh, I think a lot of teams, there's now enough information on film uh, of Nebraska's, you know, what Nebraska's trying to do offensively, that I think teams have figured out how to basically frustrate Nebraska with all these third and three failures that we keep making. Basically, they can count on Nebraska self-destructing to some extent to some extent offensively mm-hmm. yep well what would you what would you say in terms of a score prediction you think for the purdue game well uh, you know i am gonna try to remain optimistic here and and i actually think alex that we're uh, w- we still have a decent chance of being able to win this game and i'm hopeful that the players will respond in the, in the right fashion frankly i think we played better away from home because until we get this this winning the game at the end of the game uh, figured out, I think the the tension and the anxiety of, of the collective fan base is, is, is actually a, a negative for Nebraska's team, uh, both for the coaches and for the players. I think, you know, the expectation is so heavy over their shoulders that when they're playing uh, away from there, it's, it's less. And so I, I think we play a cleaner game this week against Purdue and we win the football game. I'm going to say that again. It's it's going to it's going to require us to put some points up because I think Purdue is going to put points up. So I'm going to say 35-21, Nebraska wins. All right. Uh, I had just wrote down my score. I'm going to say 28-21. Um, I think that our offense is still going to struggle a little bit like it did last week, but hopefully not to the same extent. And that our defense will you know help us out and. Uh, keep us in the game, you know, by keeping them from scoring uh, too much crazy on us. And then maybe, like, that's maybe how the early part of the game will play out. And then in, like, the second half, we'll start to take control more on offense. And that's where we'll, you know, win the game. That's my kind of thinking. Right. Well, you know, and my score prediction is based on an assumption that the weather will continue to hold out and and remain fairly decent this week. If If we go over there to at West Lafayette, and it ends up being a miserable day, rainy, cold, windy, whatever, uh, that really affects passing. And, you know, Tommy has shown himself to not be a, 
a guy that plays well in bad weather. If mm-hmm. it's cold or rainy or snowy, generally Tommy hasn't played well. So I uh, I am kind of banking on the long-range forecast currently saying that next Saturday should be cold, but not necessarily a bad day in any other respect. And so I think uh, that's going to be huge. I would change my com- my prediction completely if it ends up being a miserable weather day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weather has definitely been a contributing factor to a couple, at least one of our losses. That was the the Illinois game, right? That you went to. Yep, exactly, exactly. So hopefully we can do that, and then we get to come back uh, after a victory uh, with some optimism that we at least it's going to be a, a a game that will be of interest. Yeah, and this is one last thing I wanted to bring up, but it was something I was thinking about. Um, because, and this obviously might change when we go up against Michigan State, since they are clearly a very good football team. Um, but one thing I do like about Riley, as frustrated as I have been with, you know, how we've lost some of these games, is that, I mean, every single one of them has been within, you know, a touchdown or less. You know, we've uh, we've been it. well, I don't know if that's exactly true, but we've been within, you know, pretty much every game we've played. You know, we haven't seen a Bo Pelini-esque, you know, complete mental breakdown like you know the wisconsin game last year uh so i I appreciate that because as frustrating as these losses are at least we're playing good at least we're you know i'm watching in the fourth quarter and it's like we have the chance to win you know it's not like the we're getting just totally plowed one week and the next week we play great and it's like an on and off switch you know which and there's still a little bit on off switch obviously with riley uh, but it's not to the same extent as you sometimes saw with Bo, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Uh, I, I'm in agreement with you there, and, and that's the thing. is that I, I feel like the adjustments that need to be made for this team to start playing more effective football and being able to win um, are relatively small. And probably my biggest frustration is I believe these changes uh, are recognizable and would be made by most average high school coaches. And that's what is the head-scratcher for me. I don't think these guys have to throw the baby out with the bathwater as far as their offensive system and philosophies go, and yet they could still have been doing some things just slightly differently that would have probably led to us winning, let's say, half of our, you know, we've got five losses. I'm going to suggest to you that three of those five, let's say, over half, uh, uh, we would have won, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it doesn't work every time, but but I guarantee you, if they had remained more committed to the running game in our five losses, all five of them, if they had remained more committed to the running game and and had, had been more selective about uh, their play calling and making sure that they didn't put themselves in a position to, to, to have failure like they did, uh, I believe that we win three of those five games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... We'll see, you know, how things go. I mean, this might be kind of a symptom. I think we talked about this in the past of the fact that, you know, Riley and Langsdorf and a lot of the coaches on his staff have been with him for years at Oregon State, which on the one hand gives you that cohesion on your staff, which is a very good thing, you know, something that was a big contributing factor to us going on that run in the 90s under Tom Osborne was because he had cohesion under his coaching staff. Uh, But at the same time, you got to wonder, you know, is Riley so connected to Langsdorf that he's not able to ask him the hard questions and try to make him, you know, uh, make the alterations that he's clearly not making on his own. Right. I'm I'm in agreement with you 100%. uh, And uh, it'll just be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out 
and, and I'm speaking of the dynamic between the coaching staff, the fans, the athletic administration, and the media, because uh, Mike seems to do a really good job on a lot of those things, but at some point, those guys have got to start doing something uh, a little differently, or it's going to get ugly. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you out there for listening to us. Uh, you can find us on footballthrowdown.podomatic.com or on the Podomatic app under the same name. We're College Football Throwdown on iTunes. You can leave us a review there. You know, we like to hear constructive criticism from the fans. You know, uh, comments on the Podomatic uh, website like uh, AJ did are also always appreciated. We'll read them out on the podcast for you. Uh, so thank you out there for listening, College Football fans, and thank you, Dad, for joining me on this analysis of the Northwestern game. You're welcome, and uh, we got to just uh, look forward to better things in the future and keep uh, supporting the team no matter what. That's right. We, uh, we bleed red, as they say. That's right, exactly. So let's, uh, let's hang in there and hope that we're talking about a victory uh, when we talk uh, Nebraska football next week. All right. All right. Go Big Red. Go Big Red, buddy.